Welcome to the Fellowship Regional Church Podcast. What is comfortable? What's comfortable? I'm not asking, are you comfortable? Is everyone comfortable? I'm not asking, are you comfortable? I'm asking, what is comfortable? Because there's different situations you go into, different social situations that you go into. And you think to yourself, like, I'm pretty, I'm pretty comfortable in social situations. You know, I went to a, went to a big wedding um, yesterday. And it's like, I don't know, 200 people I don't know. You know, and I'm not in the wedding party, but I'm not a guest. You know, I'm officiating. So I'm kind of like that, just that weird referee guy. You know, like with the magic powers, it's like abracadabra, you're married, you know? Like, and so, like, there's not a lot of conversation. I'm just a guy that's going to go away. I'm not getting on the party bus and going, you know? It's like... It's just kind of strange, not, not just kind of uncomfortable. Different social situations, different situations that you go through in life to where finances maybe get tight and you go, this is uncomfortable. This is uncomfortable. When there's a rift between you and your spouse, is it bad? It's not bad. Is it good? Not good. What is it? It's uncomfortable. What is uncomfortable? Well, the dictionary says this. That which provides physical ease or relaxation. Comfortable. Are you comfortable? Are you comfortable in your life? Are you comfortable in your own skin? Are you comfortable being a human being? Are you comfortable? Does it bring you ease, physical ease and relaxation? You know what's interesting? I read an article this week, and it said... There is a 40% chance that clinical depression will come over you after you retire. Can we please talk about this for just a second? A 40% chance, like you're, you're, it increases 40% that you will get clinical depression after you retire. You know what blows my mind about that? Is all we can think about is like, just put in a few more years, then what? I'm gonna retire. Then what? I don't know. I just, I'm, it's all downhill from there. Really? Seriously. Like we have set this out there, 62, 65. I think that's kind of our range. 62, between 62 and 65, going to retire. Then what? I'm going to do nothing. Oh, really? I'm going to do nothing. Why? Because I've been doing something for so long, I want to now do nothing. And so now there's these websites out. And you know what these websites are saying? They're saying, you have a 40% chance of becoming very depressed when you decide you're going to do nothing. I read this article, and this was what it said. Are, are you suffering from depression after retirement? And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not retired. No. But I, I mean, I might someday. I mean, I don't know. But, but are you? Are you depressed after retirement? We can fix it in six easy steps. I want to read them to you. <laughs> My mind was just like blown. You work your whole life so you can retire because that's the goal, because somebody told you that's the goal. That's the goal. And then when you're done, you do nothing 
and then 40% of you will get depressed. If that's you, let me give you the step-by-step. -step. It's six easy steps. Number one, stay in shape. Number two, be social. Number three, develop a schedule. Number four, keep working. <laughs> Number five, give back. Number six, hit the classroom. <laughs> Are you kidding me? This makes no sense to me. Let's just say we all go to school for 12, some of us 14, others of us 16, 18, 18, 20 years. You go to school for that long, maybe. If you don't, you hop into the workforce and you go to work. You develop a schedule at work. You meet new people and new friends. Your job might be something that has to, requires a little bit of physical work, so you kind of end up being in shape. Then you retire, and then you get depressed. And so here's the advice. Go back to doing what you were doing in the first place. You know what it seems like to me? Comfortable, becoming comfortable, shooting for retirement, that doing nothing, being comfortable, it looks pretty uncomfortable. It looks pretty freaking uncomfortable. Are you serious? Like, I couldn't even believe this is a real thing. Like, at what point did we think, like, if we could just not do anything, we would be better off? But I have to admit, the uncomfortable thing, the do-nothing thing, you know, it's easy to do. I played a, played a couple years of college football, played sports in high school. So for a good portion of my life, all from, let's say, freshman year of high school till 20, 21, I was in pretty good shape. I spent all my time with all these guys, just roughnecks. Locker room talk, just roughnecks. You know what I look forward to? Getting away from dudes. That's what I look forward to. I wanted to spend some time with somebody gentle, you know? Someone who I didn't have to worry about hitting me every time they walked by, you know? Or insulting me every time they saw me. I just wanted to be around somebody gentle, somebody soft, somebody with some sort of sensitivity to them. And then I met Kate. Oh, she's just so sweet. I'd spent so much time working out, being with these guys, just constantly just just colliding all the time. I was just about done with all that. I just wanted to spend time with somebody soft. Somebody just, don't have to worry about, you know, the weird stuff that guys will do to each other when no one's looking, you know? They're just brutal and mean, you know? This will be so nice. And I met Kate and we got married. We were just talking about this the other day, her and I. Eureka Pizza. Used to run a special on Tuesday nights. Two mediums for $5. And we were in college. We got married and we lived in this little apartment. And on Tuesday nights, we got two medium pizzas for $5. We would watch like Sopranos on A&E, you know. We watched CSI Miami, you know. <laughs> Horatio Kane is, you know. Oh, 
It was perfect. It was so, 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 so perfect. And you know what else? I was happy to be doing nothing. I'd been doing something for so long, I just wanted to be comfortable. And you know what's funny is that when I go back and I look at the pictures of that time of our life, whoa, I was doing nothing. And you can see it all over my face. I think probably, I don't know if Eureka Pizza ran that special every night of the week, but it looks like we had it <laughs> every night. We did nothing. And you know what it became? So comfortable to look at the pictures is quite uncomfortable. It's very, very uncomfortable. Like, somebody should have stopped us, you know? If we would have had any friends at any point, they could have stepped in and been like, just maybe cut the carbs, you know? <laughs> cut the carbs. Just cut them, you know? We were so comfortable, it became uncomfortable. And I wish I could say to you that that only happened on the physical side of my body, too. I wish I could say that that was limited only to my physical, my physical person. That when it came to my spiritual life, there has never been moments where I've been so comfortable, it became uncomfortable. I would love to tell you, you know what? I just pressed on. I looked for new challenges. The Lord would push me and I would push back. And we just walked step for step, he and I. We have just always been that, whoa, I wish I could say that. I wish I could. But unfortunately, that's not true either. Our passage today is John chapter 11. If you remember from last week, or uh, yeah, last week, we talked about Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. He got the call from Martha that Lazarus was sick. But before Jesus ever got there, Lazarus died. By the time Jesus was there, he had been dead for four days. And Jesus arrives and everybody is sad and some of them quite angry, honestly. And I'll be honest with you, uh, that's a pretty normal thing. If you call the pastor of your church and you say, hey, we've got a situation on our hands and he doesn't show up for four days, you might be mad too. We need you here. We need you here. I need you to be here. And the pastor doesn't show up, you might have a reason to be mad. Jesus doesn't show up for four days. When he does, he shows up and he says, move the stone from in front of the tomb. And they're all like, are you serious? Move it. And then he calls into the darkness, beyond the grave, into that, that other place. Lazarus, come out. Lazarus comes out. People are amazed. Like this is, it's not new that Jesus raised the dead. That had, that had happened some other times. But most of the time, it was while the person was at the door of death, like they died and it just died, and they're hauling them through the city, heading for the funeral. Somebody would be sick and laying in there, and they would say, she's dead, she's dead, and Jesus would say, no, she's only sleeping. But four days, four days is a long time. You wouldn't drink milk that had been out four days, right? Why? For the same reason. 
You don't pull the lid off that tomb. It's been four days. And Jesus calls beyond the grave. And the body is restored and the soul is restored. And Lazarus comes forth. You see, the Jews had a similar situation. They were at that place of comfortable too. And we've got these awesome justifications for comfort too. I go back and I look at those pictures of me at that time with the Eureka pizzas for $5. And look at, you know what I said? Eh, could be worse. Could be worse, you know? Because we've got these cool justifications for everything. Like, man, that guy drinks too much. Eh, could be worse. Man, I eat a lot of cupcakes. Could be worse. I mean, I'm not doing heroin, am I? The cupcakes could be worse. We slide these little justifications. The Israelites are no different. The Hebrew people living in Israel, absolutely no different. The arrangement that we've talked about before. Rome has occupied this area. The Roman Empire had grown so big that it had gobbled up all of Israel as well. And so with absorbent taxes, with um, a, a, a regime that moves in and over, overtakes the culture that was once a monotheistic, only worship God culture. Now there's these other little temples springing up everywhere as if they took the idea of God, shattered it into a thousand pieces, created a million different gods, and then they started worshiping them. The Greek culture overran these people who had been following the law of Moses. But there really wasn't much they could do. The Roman Empire was huge. It's not like they could fight them. Not like they could take them on. So what do you do? You know, look on the sunny side. I mean, it's not all bad. Rome could have come in and said, okay, nobody worships God anymore. Or they could have come in and said, now you can only worship this God. But they didn't. They let the Jews have their religion. They let the Jews have their tradition. They let the Jews have their temple. It could be worse. It could be worse. The problem with it is where there's a little bit of corruption, there's a lot of corruption. Where there's a little bit of compromise, you know what there is? A lot of compromise. The human existence is really kind of crazy because we have the ability to find good in some pretty ugly places. Now, the majority of the time, things are so good, we just stand, and we just stand around and look at the bat. But when we get stuck in a bad situation, we can find a way to survive. And while these Jews are locked in to this Israel with the Roman Empire over the top of them, they just have to just be there. Just mind your step, mind your step. And then you know what happens? Jesus appears. Everything was going just fine until he showed up. I don't know if you've ever experienced that with Jesus, but there's times everything's going just fine. And then Jesus shows up, and he is full of ideas. Jerry, you know what we should do? <laughs> I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I don't need a brand new challenge. Like, I'm having a hard enough time keeping all this right here between the lines. Like, I don't need one more. And he's like, let's do something new. 
like, Jesus, is it that bad? He looks at me and he's like, I mean, it could be worse, you know. But let's do something new. Oh, really? Jesus shows up right in the middle of this deal, and they know, the Jewish leaders know exactly what's going to happen with Jesus. He's been doing the same thing for ever. He's been doing the same thing forever. He goes into a place where he finds complacency, and he takes the tables, and he throws them all over, and he takes all their stuff, and he pushes it off on the floor, and he says, this will never do. Well, that's not very nice. Well, apparently, Jesus feels the same way about complacency. If you're going through something difficult right this moment in your life, I want to tell you something. That's really good for you. It's really good for you. We'll come back to that in a minute. Jesus' teaching was okay. I mean, it was great teaching, but I mean, it didn't cause as much of a wave. The miracles, that left a lot of questions. But when you raise somebody from the dead, somebody who's been gone for four days, something... That can mess a community up. I want you just to imagine it here. You know a guy who's been real sick, and he dies, and they have his funeral, and you go to it. And you went up there, and you saw, as good as they could, the makeup to try to make him look like he looked. And you look at the outfit that he's in, and you're thinking to yourself, he would have never worn that. He would have never put that suit on. There's no way. Not Hank. Not him. Sorry. There's no way he would have worn that. No way. Drive out to the drive out to the, the cemetery. You've got that, that truck that's parked off in the corner. Do you ever see it at funerals? That truck that's parked off in the corner, and the guys that are standing over there with shovels? Just like this creepy kind of sense of like, could you and all your feelings and your family and your emotions bag up so we can cover this hole, please? And everybody's standing there and crying, and they go to lower it down into the deal, and all of a sudden just... Exactly. And the preacher's looking at the thing going, are you... We have somebody who can open this? We can open it. You want to open that? Open it? You embalmed this guy, right? You want to open that? And open it? And Hank sets up, looks at everybody, and he says, who put me in this? Who put me in this outfit? I wouldn't have picked this. What happens to our community in that moment? Everybody wants to talk to Hank for just a second. Hank, did you see anything? What you see on the other side, Hank? It's not like he was dead for 90 seconds in an ambulance. We're talking about four days. A situation like that can really mess something up, especially if you're in Israel, and especially if Rome is right on top of you. You see, the religious leaders know this. 
and their compromise has put them in a really weird spot. You see, here's the thing. If, if they go and they listen to what Jesus is doing and what Jesus is saying and the miracles that he's doing and this raising people from the dead, all of a sudden the attention of the people is on Jesus. The religious leader's job is to make sure the people stay contained. Do not revolt against Rome. Why? Because right now it's not good, but it could be worse. Don't revolt against Rome. If we revolt against Rome, they're going to take everything away. Listen to this passage. John 11. Forty-five. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did put their faith in him. But some of them, oh, the little tattletales, some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. This had to have been a secret meeting, don't you think? Under the cover of dark, a secret meeting. And one says, what are we accomplishing? Here is this man performing miraculous signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. I understand that it's not good that Rome is on top of us, but it could be worse. So we got to find a way to snuff this out. If we don't snuff this out, they're going to come and take everything. What do you want? You want a little or do you want none? We've got to figure this thing out. This is the part in the movie to where it pans over to the dark, dark corner. And there's a guy with a great big robe on, and it's over his face, and you can't see it. And the torches are throwing shadows and light all over the place. And he's sitting in the corner, and he's got this gravelly voice. This is what he says. You know nothing at all. The camera pans over to him, and he begins to take his little robe top off, and he looks up, and what you see is this furrowed scowl, this permanent uh, twisted face of a guy who's been doing deceitful business for years and years and years. He is a manipulative, deceitful, despicable, terrible person. Oh, and he's the high priest. His name's Caiaphas. The position of high priest had a reputation of being a position that could be bought. And Caiaphas was the Roman elected Jewish high priest. Let me say it again. The Rome elected, the Roman elected Jewish high priest. Who are we going to give the Jews so that they can have a high priest? Well, don't we have one of us? Give him Caiaphas. So now we've got the guy in the middle who came from the top. He's sitting in this position. When he says, take away our place, they're going to take away our place and our nation. When they're discussing this, the place they're talking about is that the religious elite lived above every other commoner. They lived above them. This is why Jesus was so critical towards the religious elite. This is why he was so critical. This is why he said things like, you are whitewashed tombs. 
Oh, you spend all day painting up all these beautiful uh, uh, headstones and you polish them all up. This is what your life is like. Polished headstones. But you know what's, be- you know what's beneath them, right? Bag of bones. That's what you are. That's why Jesus was so down on them, because they lived above everybody. All they worried about was their place in society. They're going to come and take away our place. We've got to subject the people. You see, Israel didn't have just one oppressor. They had two, Rome and their own. But it could be worse. And now Jesus shows up. Jesus is very much the protagonist of the entire story. But if there was going to be an antagonist, it has to be Caiaphas. At this point, at this point in Scripture, in John's Gospel, the entire story now shifts. Jesus is going to the cross on his own volition. But there are going to be some people who expedite the process. And Caiaphas is one of them. Then one of them named Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, spoke up. You know nothing at all. You do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than the whole nation perish. You know what makes me uncomfortable? That passage. You know why? Because Caiaphas is a bad guy. There's no other way, there's no other way to to separate it. Caiaphas is a bad guy. But do you know what he just said? One man must die for all. That sounds strangely familiar in the grand scheme of what salvation looks like, too, doesn't it? I don't like that, and I'm very uncomfortable with that. I'm very uncomfortable with the idea that that God's actually going to use bad guys to bring about the thing that I need most. You know what's worse than being in need? Being in need and then it being supplied by somebody you don't like. There's nothing worse, I don't think. Break down on the side of the road. The guy you hate the most is the first one to stop. How you doing, pal? You're like, I'd rather walk. Rather walk than this guy. Hey, let me help you. No, it's no big deal. You're just sitting in a puddle of shame. I don't want bad guys to win in my story. Do you? Do you want a bad guy to be the one to step into your life and somehow the bad guy is the thing or the person that brings you closer to the Lord? No. You know what I want? I want some of the good, strong men of this church to challenge me on issues and then me have to change and me appreciate that friendship even more. That's the way I want things to go. You know what I don't want? I don't want somebody, some bad guy to come in here Call me all kinds of names and be right. I don't want that. A wound from a friend is trusted. A wound from a friend can be trusted. But a wound from somebody else? 
why is God using a bad guy? We know Jesus has got to get to the cross, but does he have to use Caiaphas? But you know, here's the thing. It seems like that's the thing that happens all the time, though, really. I mean, you're not sitting here today because things have just been rosy in your world, right? It's not why you're here. Some of you woke up this morning and said, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to do nothing. All I want is physical ease and relaxation. I don't want to go to church. But you know what? I have to. My world is a mess. My relationship is a mess. My kids are a mess. I'm a mess. I have to. I got to go hear something. Hopefully, I've got to hear something. Maybe he'll say something. Maybe the Lord will speak and I'll hear something. And I can go and I can be, I can be better. It's always that, isn't it? It's always the broke down things that drive us to him. You don't get to just come to Jesus because everything's peachy. You know what you're doing when everything's peachy? Not paying attention to Jesus. You're just cruising. Life is good. Life is good. Then a front tire blows out on your life. Starts wobbling. Slams you into the guardrail. And what happens? Jesus, take the wheel, right? Jesus, take the wheel. This is where we go. Why? Because sometimes God uses bad guys. Do you got a bad guy in your life? Maybe it's a diagnosis. Maybe it's a situation. Maybe it's your circumstances. Maybe it's the work. Maybe it's the relationship. Got a bad guy? You know what I know? If you find yourself in a place of being uncomfortable, don't move. Don't move. If you're in a place of being uncomfortable, like I'm uncomfortable, don't move. I know what you're thinking. Like I want to pull the ripcord on this marriage right now. Like I'm done. I'm checking out. He can free fall to the earth. I'm not doing it. I'm checking out. I'm going to lose my mind on my boss. Don't do it. Wait. But they're trying to muzzle me. Wait. Hold on. Just hold on. Like, this is a good thing. Do you know what happens when things get uncomfortable? Miracles. That's what. Miracles happen when it's uncomfortable. Yeah, but it's so uncomfortable. Don't freaking move. Don't move. <clears throat> That's where miracles happen. All the time. God always uses bad guys. Oh, yeah, sure, he'll use friends. But you know what? It's not those things that make us better. It's the difficult things that make us better. And when he brings them to us, here's you a bad guy. I don't like this. I don't like him being a part of the plan. We only have two options. When, God, when we serve a God who's willing to use a bad guy, you can only come to two conclusions. Either God is in heaven and he is just like a giant child with a magnifying glass just picking us off one by one by one. Or he is so okay with himself and he is so powerful and he is so omniscient and he is so sovereign 
that he can take the ridiculous, murderous musings of some bad guys and somehow weave them into some sort of plan into this beautiful tapestry that is your redeemed life. How in the world does he do that? Those are the only options. He is either a rogue renegade or he is so mighty that it doesn't face him whatsoever. I think you probably know which one it is. Are you in that spot? Are you in that place? That place of, I need this to stop. I need something comfortable. You don't need something comfortable. You don't want something comfortable. You're only going to get comfortable and then become uncomfortable. Are you in the middle of it, in the fray right now? The eye of the storm gobbling you up? Okay. Is it terrible? Yeah, yeah, it's terrible. I believe you. It's terrible. Do you need somebody to talk to? We got people. You should call. Let's get together. Like, that's, that's, that's wonderful. But don't move. Because in a matter of moments, he will. And when he moves, oh, it's good. It's good. You see, he can be trusted. Let me read you a couple of passages, and then we'll go. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Romans 8, 17 through 21. Now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory, we must endure the sufferings so that we can see the glory. One more time. We endure the sufferings. And then we see the glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. They're not even worth comparing but it's so hard. That is not even worth comparing to what's on the other side of this thing. Wait. Just wait. He will put it together for you. He doesn't need your help. You're not good help. You're just not. My little ones come up. Dad, do you need some help? Yeah, that's not, a, that's not at all what I need. Not at all what I need. Can I try? I don't think I even want to watch you try. Can't. He doesn't need your help. What he needs is your faith. He needs your trust. He needs your patience. Wait right there. All things work together for the good. All things. You mean like a corrupt government? All things can work together for good? You mean God can use a corrupt government? You mean God could use like people who want to use unauthorized servers? Russian collusion? God can use even, even our current situation to bring about his glory and his plan? You mean that's not outside of him? Are you kidding? Are you kidding me? He'll use bad guys too. 
and who use bad diagnosis, and who use negativity, and he'll use prodigal children, and he'll use these internal struggles that we have, and he will use anything so that he can carry out his plan. But we must remain faithful. All things work together. All things work together for the good of those who love him and live according to his purpose. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for everything that you have done for us. We thank you for your word and how it cuts and carves us. We ask that we can take on the mindset that you have. Lord, to just trust that it's okay, that where we are is okay. It's not ideal. It's not perfect. It's not comfortable. It's not where we want to be. But let us see things through your eyes. We can come to trust you and know that, that even in the storm, you're faithful. Even in the tragedy, you hold us together. Even in the separation, in the discord, that you're still there and you're still working and that we are not left alone. Lord, give us your eyes to see the world. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a good afternoon. Good